At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024 edition, and I have an exciting show for you. A lot of great topics to go over in this fourth trading week of the year. And our goal is to be iterative. We're not going to transform your life in one day or one show. It's really about instilling the right mindset and the right habits so that you make consistent, good decisions with your money. It's not about what one stock pick you find or one thing you do it's about having a toolkit having the tools that will guide you without you having to call into the show although we love that we want you to have the tools so that you can go out into the world and you can make smart decisions that you're not getting duped by your cousin, your brother, or your neighbor at a, at a cocktail party in the, the hot asset class that they're touting about. You're not out there chasing headlines that you read on social media or in on CNBC. That you're able to filter through that in a coherent, down-to-earth way. And unfortunately, most people have trouble with that. One, because they're human and we are emotional beings and we tend to let emotions drive our decision making, which in the investment world is a bad way to go. So number one is that human nature. And number two is the fact that most people are not trained in this. There's not good education as we grow up, whether that's K through 12 or even in university. Most people are trained in other aspects, engineering, filmmaking, marketing, whatever it is. And this isn't their core competency. So our job is to help it help you make it part of your core competency. And it's something that takes time. It's not going to be overnight phenomenon. It's going to take consistent work, just as the professionals takes us consistent work. So definitely we'll take consistent work from you guys as well. Now, we're excited to answer your finance and investment questions and give you our unbiased perspective developed with over 20 plus years of investment experience. 
And we're gonna talk about the market performance today and run down some show topics. Now let's take a look at the market performance for today. And it was a follow through to the upside uh, more broadly, um, but it was a mixed day overall. Uh, large caps were up. So you're gonna see the major indices, you're gonna see a positive day. Uh, but it was a very modest positive day, broad market up about a quarter of a percent. Small caps were down about 0.4% on the day. NASDAQ, sorry, not NASDAQ, the, uh, the Netflix after hours had its first, the first tech earnings, and that was better than expected. So that was uh, kind of a positive. You had some big down days from 3M, that was down 11% today. Uh, DR Horton, home builder, down 9%. So the home builders definitely took it on the chin on uh, their earnings report. Uh, some big gainers. You had Plug Power. Uh, they're being down huge, up 30% today. But uh, obviously, that's from very, very depressed levels. So uh, I would hold off <laughs> on potentially buying anything like that. Uh, but it was an interesting day. Uh, and we head into tech earnings over the next week or so. We're going to get a lot of that and we'll see how obviously that impacts markets because that is where most of the S&P market cap now sits and it will be highly dependent on how the market accepts those tech earnings going forward. Now we have a lot of ground to cover in the next 40 minutes or so and time permitting, we're going to focus on 529 plans and your investment options now, 529 college savings plans are simply investment vehicles that allow for tax advantage growth to pay for higher education. So we're going to talk about how this will help you save for college and what the 529 plan benefits are. We also want to discuss, Pat, there's a new report on passive versus active investing. And this is coming out of Purdue University and the National Bureau of Economic Research and looking at news events and how they impact equities based on yeah how they impact equities based on uh, whether they're in the S&P 500 or in a passive index or not so we're going to look at those numbers also China's property market is taking another leg lower and we know the equity markets there have been depressed and they started to become a political problem. So we're going to do a quick overview of what's happening in China and, you know, should you catch this falling knife? Talk about that. And lastly, ESG, DEI, whatever you want to call it in relation to investing, that is starting to turn the other way. And I'll give you my reason why I think that is part of its political and part of its performance as well. Okay. We also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on Southern Copper Corp and Archer Daniels Midland, ADM. Now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the InvestTalk voice bank. And if you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART.
every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. I'm 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, Justin, Luke, this is R from Tucson. I'm calling in about a couple mining stocks that have pulled back recently. We have uh, Southern Copper, which is S-C-C-O, and Tech Resources, which is T-E-C-K. Looking at these two, wondering uh, which is the, the better buy here or if we should wait for them perhaps both to settle settle down more. They seem to be on a recent downward trajectory. Southern Copper seems like more of a, a pure copper play, although I know Tech does have some copper exposure as well. So I'd like your uh, view on, on both of these companies and what you think is better buy and uh, if we should buy them now or, or wait a while. Or maybe this isn't a good time at all. Anyway, I'll listen on the podcast. Always interested in your opinions. And thanks for all you do. And uh, still sending out positive vibes for Steve and his quick recovery. Hope he's back soon. All right, thanks. Well, thanks for the kind words. And, you know, you kind of answered your own question. We actually own both of these for our managed accounts. And we own them for a while. So long term, they are in an uptrend. But, yeah, you know, they have pulled back. Uh, along with the basic material space uh, in general on a a relatively strong dollar recently. Uh, But both are now making a lower, sorry, a higher low um, from their lows in the fall. And that is certainly positive. Now, Southern Copper is a bit stronger um, from relative strength perspective. So if you're going based on that, then Southern Copper would be your play. But you kind of answered it with saying Southern Copper is is a pure copper play. Whereas tech resources, yes, they do have a large, they have multiple large copper mines. Uh, but mainly, this is the world's second largest exporter of seaborne metallurgical coal. So the coal that's used to make steel. They're also a top three zinc miner. Okay, so coal, copper, and zinc are the main, are the, are the main uh, products that they produce. And so it gives them a more diversified Revenue base and profit source. And both of them, like I said, are, are long-term, they're doing well. Southern Copper made $2 a share in 2020, so let's make $3.60 this year. 
That's up 7% from last year, and earnings are being projected higher. Now, tech its earnings did pull back from uh, nearly ten to over ten dollars per share in twenty twenty two. This was make four dollars and twenty four cents this year, but it's a f- about a thirty nine dollars stock. So you're talking about nine times forward looking earnings. Both have good balance sheets. It just depends on what you want. Do you want pure copper play? Southern Copper is the best out there for pure copper play in our mind. Best long term profitability, quality of assets, etc. Tech. You're getting good diversification, uh, but you know the diversification can cut both ways. Obviously, recently, the, that diversification, they'd much rather just be in copper because copper has been a better performer than metallurgical steel or zinc. So it depends on what you want, frankly. Now, when people take the time to leave an Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. Wes from Grand Junction, Colorado says, I love the show and listen every day. What do you think about Republic Services Group, RSG, as a long-term hold? I think it's a solid company, but I worry a little bit about their debt and that I may be late to the party. Yeah, the relative strength right now is 83, so very, very strong performer as of late. And you're right, it definitely is overbought here at $170 per share last fall, it was trading at about $122 per share. And next year's earnings are expect, or sorry, this year's earnings are expected to be $5.96. Let's call it $6. Okay. A 30 multiple would be $180 instead of $170. So it's trading at about 28 and a half multiple. And for everyone else out there, what RSG does, it's like waste management. It's, it's one of the largest non-hazardous solid waste collection service companies in the country, commercial, industrial, municipal, as well as residential, $53 billion market cap. Uh, West, sorry, waste management is 74 billion. So, you know, but very similar businesses, Republic services is just a little smaller, 1.3% dividend yield. Revenue growth has been slowing from the mid-20s in late 2022 to last quarter, only 6%. Earnings growth is slowing as well. So I do think you are a bit late to the party. I think it's a bit overvalued uh, at these prices. But I like what you're talking about. I like good name. I, I wouldn't worry too much about the debt because the debt isn't too egregious, one, and B, and two, their business is going to be very, very solid, right? Everyone needs their trash taken out, whether that is uh, in good times or bad. So I don't really worry about that. I just worry about the multiples. So I would say keep on your watch list, but I would have to get this sub $130 per share for me to start thinking about buying it. Now, as we head to a break, let me remind you to check our, out our new Talk Classroom series. It is streaming now for free on our YouTube channel titled The Residential Housing Market in 2024. Luke and I break down the dynamic, current dynamics over there on our YouTube channel. Now, the phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 
Now our main focus point concerns this topic. With a 529 plan, you have investment options. And what those investments op- investment options are depends on which state you go with. Now let's back up here. Now what is a 529 plan, college savings plan? Well, it's simple. It's an investment vehicle. It's a type of investment account that allows for tax-advantaged growth of your investment for higher education. Now, you typically have different investment options, usually equity and bond funds, and oftentimes target age or target date funds. And you can withdraw the money tax-free to cover qualified educational expenses such as tuition, fees, books, computer, room and board, etc. And you can use that for traditional undergraduate universities, graduate school, trade school, and some states even allow you to use it for K through 12 private education. Now, first is how do you choose which state plan to use? Well, the first is you have to understand the tax benefits depending on where you live. Some states offer no tax benefit for contributing. Others offer big benefits. Just depends on where you live. Here in California, no benefit. California, Delaware, Hawaii, Kentucky, Maine, and North Carolina all offer no tax benefit. Some offer tax benefits for contributing to your own state plan. Other states, they don't have state taxes, so you don't have to worry about those. Others actually give you a tax write-up for contributing to any plan in the country. Those would be Arizona, Arkansas, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, and Pennsylvania. So you really have to look into which what, what the tax implications are, positively, because there's no real negative tax benefits, uh, to contributing to these plans. Okay, And then you have to pick which one you go with based on the investment options. Now, Morningstar has Utah and Pennsylvania as their top two because of low fees and well-designed investment choices. And oftentimes there are uh, ways you can build your own glide path using certain funds. Uh, There are also simple target enrollment series plans or, or, or options that most of these states are going to offer. But they differ, they differ from state to state, but those basic structures are different. They may also offer a menu of mutual funds, such as 60-40 balance funds, S&P 500 funds, more specialized funds like value, growth, small cap, that, that's often uh, available. You often have stable value accounts as well. These are good for when you're in the year you're going to use that money. Say your child is a freshman in college and you need to not have any risk with that money because it's getting ready to be sent to that university. That's usually uh, an option there. Usually you cannot produce or purchase individual stocks. So it's only funds that you're looking at. So you have to look at the fund fees 
And there are additional fees like program management fees, state fees as well. And they can range from one basis point all the way to 10 basis points. That's relatively low. Some are higher up to 20 or more basis points annually. Those probably should be avoided. Okay. So the simple explanation here is you need to know the tax benefit if there is one of investing in your own estate plan or a potential another state plan if they have what's called tax parity if your state offers tax parity and then know the rules of qualified education expenses so how are you planning to use this money also you can have multiple 529 plans for the same child so you can set up one along with your brother and your sister or your your parents, right? Grandparents can set them up. So it's not like you one child gets one 529 plan. There can be multiple. Also, if they don't use it, they can pass it on to a sibling or a cousin, uh, someone within the family. So that's kind of the overview of 529 plans and how they work. And they're powerful tools if you are saving for college. Now, the next invest talk, I'll discuss this question. Is it even a is even a little Bitcoin too much for your portfolio? Spot Bitcoin ETFs make it easy to add the cryptocurrency to a 60-40 portfolio, but there's a chance it can turn your portfolio upside down. So we're going to look at the risks and rewards tomorrow. For now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant 
with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Selena from Minnesota. First, I'd like to give my uh, best wishes to Steve on his recovery, and thanks, Suzanne, for taking such great care of him. I have a position in ADM. Uh, it's taken quite the tumble today. I've been trying to get out of this position for a while. I think I waited too long. I'm down 31%. I'm wondering, do I sell now on this news of the CFO investigation, or do I write it out and hope for a little bit of a bounce back? Any input or insight would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, guys. Uh, very simple here. Where there's smoke, there is typically fire. And when you have accounting issues, you don't ask many questions and you just move on. Unfortunately, you got caught up in it and you're down, but hopefully you did in a taxable account. So you take a, a loss here that you're able to offset other gains with. And even if you're not, that's capital that you could be investing elsewhere in companies that don't have accounting issues. And typically when there's accounting issues, these things take a long time to get that cloud out from over their head. And they tend to languish for a long period of time. And once again, that's capital that you could be using elsewhere that's making money as opposed to languishing. So put simply, Move on from Archer Daniels Midland. Let's talk a little bit about a new report out of the National Bureau of Economic Research, as well as Purdue University. And this is all about active versus passive investing. And we know that last year, active, sorry, passive money, money in passive vehicles surpassed money in active investment vehicles. So today, total passive assets stand at 13.3 trillion, 8 trillion of that is in US equities. That's mainly in the S&P 500. And that's what Purdue looked at. And they looked at 
companies that were in the S&P and those that were not. And how currency shocks and other impacts had on those companies. How sensitive they were to headlines and currency movement. And what they found was that six, there was a 60% lower difference in stock idiosyncratic currency sensitivity than in those that were not in the S&P 500. So it's evident that stocks added to the index were less sensitive to those currency moves. And it just shows you that buyers are not sensitive to the ups and downs of these companies. It is a blind allocation to a set of stocks based on market cap and based on the roughly 500 companies that the S&P admits to the index. And they also found that the currency sensitivity was declining over time in lockstep with the rise of passive investing. So the paper says that increased indexing appears to be undermining the efficient market hypothesis that supports its viability. That's what's so interesting here. It's actually the, the whole indexing craze is actually making the argument against indexing. Because the argument for indexing was, was always, hey, the market is efficient. And people are going to allocate based on all of this data that people have, that investors have. But the numbers are actually saying the exact opposite is happening. That as more and more money goes into these passive vehicles, the less people are allocating their capital effectively and efficiently. And that as passive continues to grow, the whole process of investment becomes something very distinct from seeking out and rewarding highly profitable businesses. Instead, it just becomes a circular bet on the flow of capital into these indexes. And so it's pretty interesting to, to watch it because it's pretty obvious. It's very obvious what's happening. It's just a flywheel that builds on itself. And that's why you have the MAG7 trading at ridiculous valuations because they are a much larger part of the index and they're getting more money flow and that pushes their value up and then they get even more money flow. And so it goes both ways. And that's why uh, what it does is it magnifies any market moves and it makes it, it makes the market not efficient at all. So it's an interesting market structure that we have today that is unfortunate, but I always say you invest with how with the market that you have, not the market that you want. Now let's play another invest talk caller question from 88899 chart. This one came in from listener in Philadelphia. 
Hey, Justin. Bill from Philadelphia here. I love what you got to do for the show. Calling about the trade desk. Take a symbol of TTD. What are the, your thoughts on where it's at right now? It seems that the, the stocks have been beating up the last earnings and 2024 being an election year, a lot of uh, governmental uh, or campaign advertising should be going on. So that should have some big growth of uh, capital. And also with uh, CCTV, they seem to uh, be a big pleasure in the game as well in programmatic advertising. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts here and see if this would be a, uh, a good buy right now. I bought during that last dip. So I wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, also, I thought some prayers for Steve, uh, who's, uh, who's been an ambassador with the podcast, and uh, we're all really fun. Thanks a lot. Well, yes, we are certainly all rooting for him, and I'll uh, be sure to keep you all abreast on his progress as it goes along. Now, you're looking at Trade Desk, and this has been in a downtrend basically since the end of July, where it peaked around $92 per share. Now we're at $70.18 the close today. And what Trade Desk is, is a self service platform for ad buyers to purchase and man- manage data driven digital advertising campaigns. And yes, the elections are going to drive a lot of ads. Typically, that's more towards television as opposed to online. I think that's where you're going to get that marginal push as opposed to online where a lot of things are are, are advertised. Uh, and this is a company who's, who's growing very strongly, especially in 2021 when online was, was everything. And now that growth is certainly slowing. Earnings in 2023, after we they report fourth quarter earnings, are expected to be $1.27, up 22% year over year. But this year, only expected to be $1.42, up 12% year over year. So you're seeing that slowdown in growth there. And it's trading at a very, very high multiple. $1.42 next year, $70 stock. You're talking about a 50 multiple, roughly. That's pretty high, especially with growth slowing. So 12% earnings growth. I don't like that. Price of sales is also very high, nearly 20. I would say anything over 10, it's dubious to find that being a good value for that company. 20, it's almost never a good buy at those levels. And the downtrend that this is in, making a continuous series of lower highs, lower lows since late July when the market is making new highs, that kind of tells you something. The relative strength here over the past six months has been pretty poor. So valuations don't really line up. The chart doesn't really line up. I'm certainly passing. Now, it's a good company, meaning good cash flow, good profitability. It just needs to come down a lot more. Sub $50 per share, then I'd start thinking about it. That's when I'd reassess it. And see if it's still a good value at that time. Thanks for the call. Now we started a new year and a fresh quarter. And the big question for you as an investor is, are you ready for 2024 and beyond? Is your portfolio aligned with the trends that are in the market? Well, if you're not sure, I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment with myself at our company, KPP Financial. 
where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. We provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you have the need, you need a second opinion, I encourage you to head over to our website, investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button on the top right-hand part of the screen. Now, this is Invest Talk. Our work continues in just a moment, so hang on. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. Everyone's situation is different. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. And so are their questions. Get your thoughts on CRM Salesforce. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I'm wondering if now 24-7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. 888 chart now let's talk about China. And China ha- Chinese stocks have been on their back foot for a number of years now. We're going on the fourth year in a row of losses. And already the Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index has fallen 10% this year, just this year, making it the worst performing stock market index in Asia. And many... Funds are now filtering out China. They're launching emerging market funds ex-China. And a lot of money are going into those funds. And Beijing's top officials are noticing. A state council has held a meeting to talk about stabilizing the markets and boosting confidence. And this was chaired by Chinese Premier Li, I think it's Li Qing. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but there it's just the it's he's number two behind Xi Jinping. And this has led a lot of speculation that they are going to unleash stimuli to boost the stock market. And the Hang Seng did rally 2.6% on that speculation, the best move of the year. But if you look under the hood, there's a reason why the entire stock market is melting. Number one is their real estate market, which historically has accounted for about a quarter of their economic activity. It is borderline collapsing. And many companies within the developer realm in China are collapsing as well. Sales of newly built homes in China fell 6% last year. The lowest level since 2016. And secondhand homes, I mean existing homes in the four wealthiest cities, declined by between 11 and 14% in December year over year. So property prices are starting to decline, which in China is a rarity. They don't want to see that. Because historically, they had this mantra that we had back in 2018. Four or five, that real estate was the super safe thing to invest in. And we have learned the lesson that prices don't always go up. And investors in China are starting to realize the same thing. Developers have defaulted on, on about $125 billion of overseas bonds between 2020 and late last year. 
And they're starting to post some really odd marketing ads. One said, buy a house and get a wife for free. That, that company was fined $4,200 for that ad. Another residential compound in eastern China promised last year to give homebuyers a 10-gram gold bar. And the decline doesn't look like it's any, ending anytime soon. And the main reason is because now Chinese citizens are waking up that housing is no longer a safe investment. And so while a lot of people are trying to think about catching that falling knife in China, the risk reward there still doesn't seem too exciting, especially because if you want to get to rental parity on prices, meaning the prices are in line, the cost of ownership is in line with renting, in most cities, has to, the prices have to fall 50% from where they are today. And in many cities, they've already fallen 10%. And so while it may feel like you're getting a bargain, you have to, have to wait for a true fallout because I think that's still coming. To me, this feels a lot like 2007 for the Chinese property market, that they know there's a problem, but they don't know how big it is. And it's pretty clear that with decades of manipulation within that market, that things ultimately need to get a lot worse to get back to true value in that market. Now we're heading into our final break, so give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Invest Talks. Today I'm calling about two companies I hold, Lee and Basil Industries, ticker symbol LYB, and Selmies, ticker symbol CE. I'm looking to sell one of my positions and increase the other. They're both profitable, but I'm leaning towards selling Selmies because of its debt and interest coverage of that debt. So this decision would reduce my portfolio risk. I currently have a 39% long-term gain on the business, and I'd like to know if this would be a good move. Thank you, and I'll be listening on the podcast. All right, looking at Lyondell Basil and Selenies. Both are chemical companies. Uh, Selenies was a spinoff years ago. What was the spinoff from? I forget. I forget what it was a spinoff from, but... It was a spinoff, and it spun off with a lot of debt, and it it's whittled that debt down over time, but you're right, it still does have a hefty amount of debt. Let me take a look here. Oh, yeah. yeah, it does have a hefty amount of debt. Uh, let me look at that compared to LYB. That is about $8 billion in net debt. Its times interest earned is about 9.7. Selenese has a times interest earned of only 25 and has, yeah, about $13 billion in net debt. Uh, but that's also why I think it's rallied better recently uh, is because of interest rates coming down, and that certainly helps Selenies more than it does Lyondell Basil. Now, LYB does have 
a much more neutral, shall we say, chart. Been chopping sideways for about a year now. Hasn't really gone anywhere. Whereas Selenies, that's in a clear uptrend. And that's mainly because Selenies has earnings growth expected this year, 32%. Whereas LYB, its earnings growth this year is only 5%. Much more meager. So, you know, do you trim the one that has better earnings prospects this year, has a better relative strength? I don't know. I don't, I I think both of their debt levels are sustainable. So I only really about really worry about companies that have debt levels that are driving the business into the ground. And I think that's not the case in either instance here. So I get what you're saying. Selenies is certainly a higher risk because of that debt level. Uh, and frankly, I would probably trim both of them. I would just do a rebalance here as opposed to getting rid of all of one of them. Now, let's lastly talk a little bit about ESG. And what's interesting is that that word has suddenly become dirty in many ways. Companies are scrubbing it from their websites and CEOs are no longer mentioning it in their earnings calls. Now, the main reason is because ESG promised all upside and no downside. But 2022 came and suddenly investors felt the downside and suddenly became less appealing. Now, it'll be interesting to see how these fund companies shift their fund names Are they going to merely rebrand them completely? Or do they simply adjust their objectives? Keeping the same name. Now, investments in sustainable assets grew from 22.8 trillion in 2016 to over 35 trillion in 2020, but fell all the way to 30 trillion in 2022. And so execution was always a problem because it was more the value of it was more of a value judgment than an objective assessment. There was no objective way to assess whether a company is ESG compliant or not. And it, investors came to realize that these funds out, had outperformed because they were simply heavily weighted towards tech firms. And when 2022 came and they drastically underperformed, they realized that this is just a high beta way to gain access to equities, and they can do that in a cheaper form elsewhere. So that's what you have seen, and that's why ESG is kind of becoming a dirty word in the investment world. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. 
Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.